0: Welcome to the Love Anarchy Podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we go deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, bringing you a little series I have going on, letting different generations, male and female, tell their stories about their personal experience with love with dating, and with a relationship with themselves and how the relationships had made them grow. They each come from a different perspective, being influenced by the world around them, like the baby boomers. Almost a 20-year spread, so one of the biggest generations, while it's broken up into boomers one and two, I'm just going to keep it baby boomers for simplicity, They have a tendency to have the motto of, if you work hard, you can do it. Um, They're optimistic, confident, and definitely idealistic. And today's guest is female baby boomer, Karen Bernauer, a long, long, long time friend of mine, influenced me, taught me how to antique, taught me how to cook. She was such a detailed, oriented artistic type. She now is retired and resides with her artist husband Larry Cavini in Tubac, Arizona. Welcome Karen. I'm so excited Hello. to have you on and sharing your story. Do you know I really had a difficult time finding a female baby boomer to even talk on my podcast? I've I taught a couple boomers how to play podcasts and how to listen to my podcasts, but nobody would agree to do it. That's why I knew, I pretty much knew you do it, Karen, because you're, you know, you've always been cutting edge. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank
1: you. I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've helped. We've known each other for gosh, 28, almost 29 years now.
1: Yeah. Almost probably closer to 30 isn't it
0: yeah no, maybe oh not. yeah now you're probably you're probably right but i just got back from a visit um in, in the southwest arizona visiting karen and uh, reminiscing about the times when uh, we'd hang out in rochester new york together where we met. Where we met. We're working yes. at Remington's Restaurant. and I was in grad school. And yeah. um, how long How long had, had you been living there before you started
1: at Remington's? Oh, gosh. Only a couple of weeks, really. You know, I just needed to get out and find a job right away. And I think somebody told me they were looking. And where I was living at the time was right down the street from there. I could walk. So I figured, what the heck? So that's what I did. Nice,
0: yeah. And then I met her there, and she was she was very impressive. And although I'm an exer and she's a boomer, um, Karen, you've always had a very youthful and cutting edge um, about you. You've always uh, I don't know how to explain it, but visiting her, we went back to. Cooking and then I realized how much in my mid twenties that she taught me about cooking and about about interior design and about oh, and we went back to antiquing too. You're very knowledgeable. Yeah, you're very
1: knowledgeable about those things. Well, it's just a lot of fun to do those things. I mean it's kind of get your creative juices flowing when you go out and look at old things and see how you can repurpose them and I don't know. I've always enjoyed it. Don't do it so much anymore, but, uh, I would, if I could. Yes.
0: And I know being, uh, being artistic too, and visual, I always love those things. And actually Karen still taught an old dog, me new tricks. She, uh, taught me how to bake sourdough bread when, uh, I was visiting her. So thank you very much. That was that
1: Have was you tried awesome. it
0: yet? I have not tried it yet. I've been, uh, I'm, I'm not retired. I'm not leaving, leading the life of leisure like you.
1: <laughs> well, you don't need to lead the life of leisure to bake a loaf
0: of bread. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't, oh, I don't have an oven. I'm getting new appliances.
1: So there's my other. Oh, that's a good excuse. That's okay. a legit excuse. Oh, okay. No oven, really hard to bake. Yes, yes. Well, and
0: reminding me how interesting your life is. I'm so excited to have you as the representative for the female baby boomer. And this uh, series is called Generation Love. So um, getting to hear some new, new old stories. And uh, when we visited last, um, let's let's take it from the top. Let's uh, talk about your childhood.
1: Well, I'm the oldest of eight, um, born in the Midwest in um, Champaign, Illinois. My dad at the time was still in grad school. My mom worked as a dietitian. Um, So we were home with babysitters a lot during those days. And then my dad uh, got a job in California at UC Davis and moved the whole family out there. And my mom didn't work anymore, so she had more. I think she had, let's see, she was pregnant with Janet when we were moving, so she had two more. She had Mary and then chemo she had in Hawaii on sabbat- when my dad was on sabbatical.
0: Yeah, but you have, um, eight, and you have eight siblings.
1: Yeah, I do, yes.
0: And you're the yeah. oldest, oldest of eight.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. It was quite, uh, quite a trip growing up, actually. I mean, it's especially now that I'm older, and even though I don't have kids myself, all my siblings have children. And we've talked about this the fact that um, we don't know how our parents did it. And not even so much financially, and that was difficult for sure, but just trying to keep Everything together, you know. Yeah, and it was that's a it, different
0: time. We've been talking. We've been talking about that too. But that's a lot of kids. And I was an only child. My mother's and I mean, I have a half brother, but I was raised an only child. So listening to your stories about having siblings and is just eight, always eight, blew, eight eight sorry eight together. That's okay. Yeah. Um, always blew my mind because there was always drama always something going on
1: yes there usually was stuff going on somebody was you know usually crying or throwing a tantrum or s- somebody always needed something I'm sure um I don't know how my mom did it I don't know how they had five of us before my dad was fin- finished getting his PhD so and she worked so I don't know I don't know how, how they did it. We had babysitters, and that was always a trip. They, babysitters used to lock us out of the house sometimes and leave us in the backyard for wow. hours on end. Yeah. Really? Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So, they, you know, my brothers like pee outside or do whatever. And I don't think Martha was well. Martha was just a tiny baby, so the babysitter didn't put her outside, obviously. But yeah, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, my brother Gary was a sleepwalker, so he lit the kitchen on fire one time. Wow. So they started tying him to the bed with a tie by his ankle. What? Yes, because he was constantly getting up and messing with things. Times have changed. Wow. And then... uh, Brian, my brother, used to catch birds. I don't know how he did it. Yeah, he oh, would just catch birds.
0: With his bare hands? Yes.
1: I, I didn't know that was even possible. And neither did I until he started doing it. And then he, he loved birds, so then he'd bring them in the house and put them in the basement. And they would scare my shit out, the shit out of my mother when she would go down to the basement, which is where the washing machine and the dryer were. So that was interesting but uh yeah um like i say it was gary also jumped out the window into the snow one time after my mom had gotten him out of the bath and she was still dealing with somebody else in the bath i'm sure and ran away in the snow how old was he
0: three maybe Mm -hmm. so were the boys more uh more trouble than the girls in your family?
1: Yeah, physically. Yes. Overall they were. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, Brian threw a snowball at me and broke my nose. Mm -hmm. Babysitter was there and I just was, and we were locked out of the house, so I couldn't get in the house. (laughs) So finally she opened the door and called my parents and, they rushed me to the, the hospital and they had to cauterize my nose to get it to stop bleeding. So things like that. But that was normal.
0: Yeah. Well, things are were so different in how we were raised versus how kids are raised these days. And, like, my mother didn't play with me. I was in a playpen all day, you yeah. know, or, you know, I, you know, they had things to do, you know, cleaning, baking, you know, Um other things that were more important that uh, the, the huggy, um, you know, child rearing that we do these days, which I'm not saying bad, because I, you know, I spent more time with my daughter versus cleaning and doing things around the house. Um, But it just, you know, you I wonder, it's like how how everybody made it through, not just
1: the kids, but the parents. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, definitely the parents, but the kids too. I mean, you know, there was a lot of us and we outnumbered them. So they just kind of gave up after a while, really trying to completely control us because it was, it was impossible to do. So, you know, there were broken bones and broken noses and yes. And things like that, that. Happened, And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. Um, Boomers or no. I think people are definitely more uh, sheltering of their children these days, for sure. I mean, we we got kicked out, especially in the summertime. You know, don't come back until dark. Yeah. And so that's what we did, usually. We did have family meals, though, most of the time, until we all got a little bit older, and then that changed. But you know, for quite a while, probably until I was in high school, we would have family meals, Yeah, which was nice.
0: Yeah. As as the oldest, did you have a lot of responsibility and caretaking your younger siblings?
1: Yeah, I guess I didn't really think of it as that so much as, you know, just being a member of the family and helping out, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, You know. I changed diapers and did that kind of stuff. I babysat from a pretty young age. They would leave me uh, at home to babysit when I was 10. And I had all these kids to look after, but they always gave me the neighbor's phone number just in case, you know, something, something bad happened. Um, But it was, I didn't like that. That was one thing I didn't like. I didn't like the responsibility of being there and being responsible for them by myself.
0: That's a lot for a 10 year old. Yeah. Oh yeah. So do you think you grew up fast because of that?
1: In some ways, I think in some ways I rebelled against it and stayed kind of like a kid all my life. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I had my, I think I had my, my, well, I got married early the first time. Um, But I think I just kind of, Decided not to, like, grow up all the way because I had all that responsibility. I don't have kids of my own. Um, If I had had them, it would have been fine. It probably would have changed me. But um, that never happened. And I I don't know. I just, the oldest is always supposed to be the most responsible. In a lot of ways, I was. But I was also a kind of a rebel, too. A little of both. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, so tell the story that you told me when I was visiting about getting dropped off at the beach.
1: Well, we had visitors. We were living in Hawaii and my dad was teaching at the University of Hawaii. We were on sabbatical and we had visitors. Uh, it was a um, a professional friend of my dad's who uh, actually uh, was a professor at UC Berkeley and they had three boys and the boys got sent over to spend I don't know. I think it was probably two weeks with us. And uh they decided that there was just too many people in the house, which there was, I mean, you know, eight kids, two parents, plus three extra people. Um, And so they packed us up with a tent and a cooler and dropped us off at the beach, gave us money for the payphone in case something bad happened. I was the oldest, so I was probably 14. And I think, I don't know if they sent Gary. I can't remember. It was either Gary or Paul, but Paul is like, let's see. Uh, he must've been 11 when they dropped us off. Mm-hmm. So there were five of us, me. Yeah. It was me, Brian, Paul, uh, Tommy, and I can't remember the older Mark. So it was the five of us. And they my dad left us with a case of primo beer, which is three point two beer, but I mean we were all underage. And of (laughs) course we drank it all we drank it all the first day and body surfed all night practically. And then uh Kim not Kim um Tommy ended up getting sun poisoning, I think it was like sunstroke and started throwing up. So we had to use the money to call my parents to pick us up. And that was another story because we had this green bri- briar van and we were driving along the poly and there were these two b- big giant Hawaiians up on the hill rolling big pumice stones down to put in their truck to build a wall or whatever. And one of them, <laughs> them rolled down and hit our car. and the tire. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I didn't. You didn't tell me that. part. Yeah, that's... It, that's just insane. What was the movie we watched at your house that we're talking about that kind of re- reminded us of uh, the free years when we were children. Remember the one with the kids in the motel?
1: Oh, the Florida project. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's a great
0: movie. It really was, but you know, mm-hmm. got us on the topic of, um, oh, just letting that,
1: kids run free. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the, and yeah. the trouble, you know, um, I mean, there's no video, you know, no video cameras. There wasn't as
1: many. There might have
0: been, but, you know.
1: Well, there were movie cameras, but, I mean, that wasn't something that everybody had had in their back pocket. Exactly. I mean, it's way different nowadays. You you can't get away with a lot of stuff that you used to do when when, uh, we were younger, when I was younger in particular. So, Yeah. yeah.
0: So, when you were young, what did you think about? Romance or love or adult
1: relationships,
0: what influenced
1: you oh I think always initially your parents do you know sure that's your first uh experience of uh, marriage or relationship um, I thought that <laughs> I mean it was a typical you know fifties marriage, you know. Until my mom didn't go to work, you know, she did work, but then she was a stay at home mom. So, you know, my dad worked and he came home and he was king of the castle and we ate fish sticks and he got liver and onions or steak. Um, he got to eat in front of the TV. We didn't, um, you know, it was pretty typical. They didn't fight very often when they did fight. It was scary because they didn't fight very often, but, uh, They had a good time together. They were really in love, I think. And uh, even with all the stress of kids and all that kind of thing, um, they really got along. My dad was very busy working all the time. So it was mostly just the kids and, and mom. But, you know, so I guess my first impression of a relationship anyway, like that was, you know, the man is king of the castle. The man is in charge. The man brings home the bacon and the woman stays home and takes care of the house and uh, raises the babies. But uh, I don't think I really bought into it. Um, after the time I was about 15 or 16. What changed? Um, well, I think, At that time, you know, 15, 16 years old, you know, you kind of have your sexual awakening and you realize it's, you know, I mean, I thought this is how naive I was. I thought that um, when I learned about sex that uh, my parents had done it nine times because they had nine children. (laughs) One of my one of my siblings died, the the one that was born before me. uh, He was stillborn. Mm -hmm. But but, uh, so that's what I thought. I didn't realize that it was, you know, for pleasure since I was raised Catholic. But I kind of gave religion up about that time, too. So so um, you
0: you gained sexual awareness but gave up a religion.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, actually, I think my mom put me on the pill when I was 16. So Really? Just mm-hmm. did you talk about sex? Uh, yeah, she told me about it, but it was more— in a biological sense than, um, a relational sense, you know, this is what happens, blah, blah, blah. And she didn't really say anything about, you know, waiting till you were married or huh. cause I think she was, I think she was pregnant before my, they, my parents got married. Um, which doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but I think, um, it just changed. I mean, sexual awakening, you realize that you have these feelings and you want to experiment. And it was kind of a freer time, you know? Um, I graduated in 73. So I was in high school all the way through the early 70s. Yeah. so Free love, baby. Exactly. And it's so funny because I look at, you know, hookup culture now and I think, oh, I don't really understand that. And then I think back to when I was in high school, and I think, oh well, that's done because I totally did that too. If I liked a boy, you know, so it was pretty open.
0: Yeah, I think it I didn't a, think it has a different energy now, but
1: um, yeah, it does. It does, but I think that's because uh, I think the girls are more in charge of it now.
0: I never thought of it that way. That's true. Do you think it was more equal in the 70s? No. Do you think it was still
1: men in charge? Pretty much, yes. I do. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, they kind of decided whether they wanted to be with you or not. So you didn't always have a a choice, but uh, I don't know. It was interesting, I guess. So when
0: think? when men hit on you, it you felt like it was more their choice whether they wanted to be with you. You didn't feel like you had a choice to be with them or not
1: be with them? Oh, I felt like I had a choice. If, you know, if I want, I just don't go with anybody that flirts with you, that's for sure. Um, but you always had to wait for them. You didn't really instigate it yourself. You could mm. flirt, but you couldn't just say, hey, you know. Booty call. Yeah.
0: I'm just curious if it's still like that a little bit now, but I think you're right. I think things have definitely changed with, uh, I think
1: girls will get on the phone and it's different now too, because I think in those days too, you know, you're thinking, Oh, if you hook up, maybe it'll be the beginning of a relationship. And nowadays it's like, Oh, it's just for sex. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the big difference there.
0: Some millennials I talk to, they sit, they kind of hook up. And then if that works out, then they decide if they like the person enough to maybe consider a relationship with them. Uh I've heard it that
1: way. Interesting. It is. Uh, Yeah. But you know, I mean, there's, there's, I guess some of the people that I worked with, you know, when I was managing uh, younger people, um, would just say, "Oh yeah, he's just my fuck buddy." You're right.
0: Yeah. So you guys went through a traumatic time. Your mom got sick. Yeah, she did. And you were out of, you did. were out of the house
1: by then. Uh, yes, yes. I was living with who was I living with? I guess I was living with my first husband. Were you married yet? <laughs> No, we didn't get married until after my mom passed. Actually, we didn't get married until my dad was remarried to my stepmother. Yeah, so a lot happened during that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, did, I did move home for a little while. Mm-hmm. But I brought my boyfriend with me because we didn't have any other place to live. And my boyfriend at the time, you know, seemed to be my first husband, um, loved my mother dearly. So if any of the kids got angry with my mom, which happened frequently, I mean, they're little kids. They don't understand. Understand. That's part of it. And the other part of it too is in some ways they actively try to distance themselves from her so that they wouldn't be devastated when she died. Yeah, sometimes that's unconscious too for kids. Absolutely. I think it's totally unconscious. You know, if I hate you, then I won't miss you. So anyway, that, did, that ended because he, my, my mom just, he went after one of my brothers and my mom says, you guys got to leave. Oh. So we did. And uh, she was in remission for about a year or so, I guess. And then she got sick again, and it wasn't too long after that that she passed. I think it was right after my little sister's birthday and before my 21st birthday. I think I was 20 when she passed, Hmm. and the youngest was six. That was really, really hard on your family. Oh, yeah, especially, well, my grandmother lived with us, and that was my dad's mom. So she took over a lot of the responsibilities but my sister Martha who is fourth in line she's the one that really picked up the ball and um carried things. So everybody kind of had to pitch in but I think Martha really took the brunt of it with my grand along with my grandma. So it wasn't long before my dad remarried and I can I can understand why. I mean my mom let me kind of let me know that he would remarry earlier than not because there's no way he could take care of everybody alone. Right. Exactly. And that, you know, she just said that if that happens or when that happens, you know, you need to give your dad as much support as possible. So that's what I did. That was my, legacy
0: yeah because (laughs) a lot of the other kids weren't as supportive
1: of him remarrying so soon well it wasn't even so soon that was part of it probably um my mom was really well known in town and very well liked um small town small college town um I think it was just it was hard for them in a lot of ways and my stepmother moved into our family home Mm-hmm. and she made changes and they were pissed off about that uh you know she did not who, buy who was
0: this woman just coming in and making changes and All she was
1: right. and she was young too wasn't she she was she just turned 30 when she married my dad my dad was 50 so yes there was a big age difference between them um but she had to kind of do some of those things because otherwise, trust me, those kids would have run ragged right over the top of her. And uh that wouldn't have been pretty at all. They, mm-hmm. You know, she had to establish some sort of authority. Otherwise she would have been sunk. So I understood it. I understood my siblings problems with it, but I also saw the need for it. So you were totally supportive of it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Plus, my dad was really in love. My mom had been sick for a long time before she passed, and um, he was lonely, I'm sure. So overall, I didn't see it as a negative um, my stepmother is very different from my birth mother um, and that causes problems she 's kind of didn 't have a very good upbringing, alcoholic mother, blah 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 uh, stepfather that half sister they 're all past now, which is her sister died, which devastated her. Um, but she's never really felt loved. And I think that, uh, she was hoping that if she joined this giant family that, you know, she would finally find, have,
0: have love, love all around her. Or-
1: exactly. Ooh, mm-hmm. stark, stark reality. Yes. I mean, fa- even, <laughs> even natural families don't have love all around them all the time. It just doesn't work like that. You know, and some families, uh, once they leave, the kids leave the house, you know, don't really have much to do with each other. So,
0: or sometimes I mean, even their parents.
1: Mhm, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, it's you, true. so you So how long were you dating your first husband before you got married then?
1: I think we dated for like about 4 years. 4 plus years then we got married and that lasted about 11 months. So, yeah.
0: So dating a long time but married a very short time
1: hmm yeah it was either four or five years that we dated oh wait no it was about four years okay were you in love yeah. were you in love with him yes of course it was my first romantic you know love experience mm-hmm. so yes you know but we were like uh we're like oil and water you know but that was kind of cool you know you have your little spats and then you make up and that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I know he really cared for me. He was, a, you know, not a bad person, but, uh, it did not work out, but it took a long time to get divorced too, because he wouldn't sign the divorce papers. And I don't know whether he always thought we'd get back together or what, but that did not happen.
0: It did not happen.
1: No, and now he's uh, been happily cohabiting with um, a woman for gosh over forty years now. I guess. Wow. But he or never 30, he never got re-
0: he never got remarried.
1: No, he and Penny, his significant other, decided that they did would not. They do have a domestic partnership, mm-hmm. so that they can take care of each other financially when the time comes. So that's what they have. And no kids.
0: Mm-hmm. How did, how did the divorce impact you?
1: Oh, I think I threw a party. <laughs> how old were you? Uh, let's see. 30 something. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think the straw that broke the camel's back and I finally decided to, uh, you know, I don't know how to go about this. I don't know how to do it. His brother was a lawyer. I asked him to do it. He said, yes, but I was going out with this boy. We were playing racquetball. at a local racquetball club and having a great time. And I look up into the galley and there's my ex-husband staring down at me and we'd been separated for at least three years by then. Wow. I'm like, dude, really? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> what are you doing up there? Get the hell away. And that just kind of crunched that relationship. It wouldn't have lasted long anyway. But, um, so I was alone for a really long time. I was, you know, dated a little bit, but not much. Just, I was alone. I went back to school and got serious about some things. And gosh,
0: cause you had never been, I'm doing quote unquote alone growing up with, seven siblings and and then going right from that to a live-in relationship and then marriage.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So was that something you needed
1: in order to find the relationship with yourself? Well, I learned a lot about myself. Yeah, probably. Um, But I had girlfriends and, you know, we'd go shopping and do this and that and the other thing and have a good time and go out dancing, and you know, but no serious boyfriends until I met my second husband. So, and that was 11 years after. Wow. My, yeah, I split up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. When
0: I Something first like met that. Karen, she was married to her second husband, yes. Dave. And yeah. So were, were you newly married then, too, when,
1: when you went to Rochester? Yes. From in California. fact, um, when we graduated from UC Davis, uh, he decided he wanted to go back to Rochester to reconnect with his family. And I told him that I wouldn't go unless we were married. I mean, I just had experience with my first marriage, you know, ending, and... Um, I wanted a commitment before I moved all the way across the country. And I said, if you can stay there, you know, for a year and you still want to be there, then we'll talk. So I lived with my sister for that year. And then he um, sent me an engagement video proposing. And I said, yes. And we got married in Reno and then we took off for Rochester. So yeah, I was freshly married.
0: Yeah. How long were you dating before
1: then? about 2 years mm-hmm. we lived we lived together too 2 years or 3 no i'd say 3 years and then you were a and in. then
0: you were a year apart
1: mhm and then you got married Yep.
0: and then you went from california to cold and snowy great lake region in rochester new york
1: yes very <laughs> true <laughs>
0: Where you had to learn to drive in the snow and buy warm coats and mittens and scarves
1: and hats. It was fun for a while. I was glad that, you know, it wasn't forever. So, but I liked it. Mm
0: -hmm. What made you guys decide to move back to California?
1: Uh, California. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's just, you know, Rochester at the time, I think Eastman Kodak, I don't even know if it was still around. You know, a lot of the industry has left Rochester since that time.
0: It was just starting, I think it was just starting to leave during that time. Yes,
1: exactly. So there just wasn't really a lot of opportunity there. And Xerox and Eastman Kodak. Right. Yep. So we decided that, you know, our prospects were probably better in, in California too. Mm-hmm. And we went southern instead of back to northern California. I had uh, my brother lived there and we figured, why not give it a try? So we did. Yeah. And it was cool. I dug it. Yeah. I loved
0: OB. Or I love yeah. lo- It's still there. I still love it. But there's something about that town. And yeah, then. I was still in grad school. We came out to visit and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And like we were talking about, I should have bought a house then. (laughs) I know. Oh my God. For real. I was thinking they were so expensive then, but I'm like, you know,
1: the ones were living at
0: quadrupled in price, you know, or value.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Easily. So yes. Mm Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. And you know, I was still reading tables then, trying to decide what I was going to do. Thinking about getting my teaching credential. And Dave, what was he doing initially? He had a bunch of little odd jobs. And then he finally got a job at Geico. Yes. Working sales. And I think I was working during the day and he was working at night. So we hardly ever saw each other at all. And he didn't like my friends. And he didn't really like my family and he just really started to isolate himself. And, um, You drew just you grew kind of, apart. Oh yeah. I mean, he, I <clears throat> uh, kind of embraced conserva- conservatism more than I was willing to do so myself, but always trying to convince me that I was wrong, which I didn't appreciate. Um, and we, we just didn't do the same things anymore. I guess the straw that broke the camel's back for me is, um, in OB, when we lived in OB and we moved to Rancho Penasquitas when we bought our condo, which I hated because it was suburbia and we didn't have kids and I couldn't walk anywhere and couldn't walk to the beach. And I was just like, "Ugh, this sucks. Um, Uh, The next door neighbor's there, two guys, Josh and can't remember the other kid's name. Anyway, um, they had gotten tickets to go see an art show in La Jolla. And I really wanted to go. And it was my birthday. And so I think I got home from work and I got in the bathtub and I was getting ready. And I said, Dave, you know, you got to get ready because we got to go. He drug his feet, drug his feet, drug his feet, drug his feet. We're finally on the road. I was so pissed off at that point that I said, we're so late. There's no way we can meet him now. And he goes, oh, okay, that's fine. Let's just go to a restaurant and, you know, and have some dinner and drinks. And uh, that was just like. Ouch. Yeah. Thanks for doing something that I wanted to do on my birthday. So, yeah, it kind of really unraveled um, after that. definitely. So I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking I would do, but,
0: uh, you just knew you had to get out.
1: Yes. Yes. Yep. And then the opportunity presented itself with Larry, but that took, that was over like eight months at least before we even met in real life.
0: Yeah. So, Do you think like having a friendship with Larry? Well, and they met online, like quote unquote, but it was on before
1: online dating. It was, it was was an art, art chat, (coughs) chat. It was a AOL chat room. Yeah. Yeah. Artist cafe. Yes. We met a lot of really nice people in there. Actually, Mm -hmm. some of them are still friends to this day, Mm -hmm. believe it or not, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. So, you know, we had a, there's a lot of people in there that, we all just talked. We talked art, blah, blah, blah. But um, eventually Larry and I would go off and have, you could go into separate little chat, private chat. And we talked about a lot of things and a lot of similarity, you know, in our childhood in a lot of ways too. And um, I don't know. He just kept saying, he kept threatening, he was going to come and visit. And I kept telling him I was married and, and she said he didn't really care. <laughs> but it you know in the end it worked out really well he came to visit and this was after i left dave and um it took a little bit longer to work things out you know he was married at the time too so yeah. that was something yeah. we both And then
0: living at, living on the other side
1: of the country Yeah living in North Carolina yeah but i went out there to visit, visit him too and then we came out to your wedding yes
0: yeah, and, that, and So that was the third time that you saw each other when you... Uh, actually,
1: I think that was the second time.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. I think... Um, I think he came to California like about four months before we flew out to your wedding. Your wedding was in June, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. June 12th. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we... And he flew from North Carolina and I flew from...
0: San Diego. Yes.
1: And we met at the Denver airport and drove into uh, Fort Collins. Yes.
0: That was a rough drive, huh? <laughs> Everybody got caught in
1: hailstorm on the way uh, from Denver to Fort Collins. Oh my God! It was the, well—they shut down the airport and ground transportation for at least forty-five minutes, half an hour, forty-five minutes. Yeah, it was a trip. I'd never seen hail like that before. No, until I moved here. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's yeah, and in, in um, to back Arizona. Yeah, so yeah, you get some of the similar weather that that we get here. That just mm-hmm. kind of comes in like out of the blue, do blows
1: too. in and blows out. Yeah, exactly. So exactly.
0: I laugh about Karen and Larry because I call them my three times a charm um, couple because both of those, this is their third marriage and they're going okay. on another 20, 22nd anniversary.
1: Yeah. Oh, so three, yeah. ta- three times a charm. That's what I say. And that's what I believe, you know, it took me a while to find the right one, but, uh, but I certainly did. I we really pulled, you know, pulled together in our relationship, not just, um, uh, romantically, but also financially and, you know, um, setting goals and. You
0: work together. That's, that's one. I'm like, I didn't know your first husband, but. Always be, you always worked as a team to meet each other's
1: dreams or goals. Right. You know, so, and that's the mm-hmm. important part. Larry has my back all the time, mm-hmm. and I have his too.
0: And that's some of the most important thing, I think, is letting the other person be exactly who they are and supporting yes. them in that. Exactly.
1: And Larry's always been like that. Always, always. I was yeah. Always it's yeah. Very, did you know you did, you did? You
0: know you needed that or wanted that until you got it?
1: Um uh, no, not consciously, I don't think. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So I don't
0: yeah, and each consecutive marriage after you've been divorced, like lowers actually the outcome or, um, the chances of staying together even more. I mean, the divorce rate for second marriages is considerably higher than first and third, even more. So what would you say is different about this one?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think I need a minute to talk, to think about that. Yeah, that's okay. Um, we're
0: doing that. We're starting to round it up. So like the profound yeah. advice kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I think that we laugh together. Um, we're really good friends overall. And I think that that's the difference. And we really don't make too many demands on each other. Um, I think that we just... I think overall, it's just having a really strong friendship, just being really simpatico, just wanting what's best for the other person because, you know, they want what's best for you and, and really feeling that, you know,
0: and that makes sense. But nowadays with what I call drive-by dating with my clients, you know, who are, Mm -hmm. it's all about chemistry and attraction, but that isn't what, you know, sews together a good relationship.
1: No. And I think the fact that um, we communicated for the first um, really year, um, either online or through written letters or talking on the phone without being physically in the same space you know the relationship developed outside of the physical right mm-hmm.
0: and now there's that reality show Love is Blind that you yeah. know they have to simulate that now because we have video chat and we have so many other ways you know and I think people are more apt, especially after COVID, to get on an airplane right away mm-hmm. to meet somebody. But that, mm-hmm. you know, that's really insightful about really taking the time to get to know someone. And yeah. so you can feel safe and
1: you can just be you. Yeah. It, the distance, yeah. You know, the distance made it our the beginnings of our relationship and the building of our relationship more old, old fashioned. I mean, even older than my parents relationship, et cetera, et cetera, where people, you know, would just share thoughts and ideas, whether on paper or on the phone or in chat, which is virtually, you know, writing as well, even though it's immediate, you know, it's not something that you're waiting for in the mail, but, um, yeah, it makes a difference. I think, I think more people should slow it down. I mean, if they're looking for a relationship, I mean, if they're just dating, then whatever, you know, go out, have a good time. And that's that. But if you're looking for a relationship, you should really get to know somebody before you jump in there.
0: Yeah. Emotionally before physically i mean and i right. think it, it can confuse a lot of things and especially with women falling for somebody that maybe you shouldn't because of chemicals right that, that oak, exactly. oxytocin really makes us <laughs> connect yeah.
1: and fall in love exactly well because you know the the um uh, Procreation thing is like that's probably the basis of that biology right there, you know. You bet. <clears throat> you need to keep um, the species going, so you know you got to find somebody to make that happen with. And so I think a lot of that biology is, and I think if people understood that more, then maybe they'd be more sensible about it.
0: Yep, and now and yes, it's important to keep the species going yeah, and find absolutely. find a healthy mate to procreate. And have children with, but if you're wanting a connection and a heart and mind relationship, then yeah, you got to keep that into consideration.
1: Right. Well, you you have to remember that one of these days, the kids are going to grow up and move out of the house. And also one of these days you're going to stop working the way you, you do when you're younger and Be in the same house together a lot. Well, you learned that with COVID, huh? Right after you
0: right after you retired.
1: (laughs) Yes, and I think a lot of people did that with COVID too. You know, right? It was kind of forced. It wasn't like some uh, a choice. But I think too. I think in some ways, I think it might have brought some families together. Families that you know, both parents working. Mm -hmm. um, The kids are you know, have activities and this and that, the other thing, and they don't really, really connect all the time. So I think yeah. it was hard, especially, it was more hard, I think it was harder on women than it was on men. Definitely. They took on the, the major portion of the burden of families being at home with COVID or for, during COVID but I think that a lot of times, it, you know, they began to eat, eat dinner together and, you know, do things together and that kind of a thing. So I don't know. It's double edged sword, I guess.
0: Yes. It changed, you know, I think it changed the way people looked at a lot of things and uh, reevaluated their relationships too.
1: Yeah. Relationships and also the relationship with work and how and, much time that takes up.
0: Yep. And themselves. Yeah. Yep. So when 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 is your anniversary?
1: Uh it is September 11th. Huh?
0: 22 years.
1: Yep.
0: Well, Karen, thank you so much and thank you. I didn't think I would get a female boomer to do this, like you're the, you know, you were one of the only people open. And I don't think it's because women don't want to share their stories, but I think sometimes um, it's, it's hard for people to go on and, you know, on, on this new media
1: too, it, you know, and share their stories. I think that's true. And I also think, you know, because I know you, it makes it a little different too. You know, if you're trying to get, People that you don't know very well, that you haven't spent time talking to, it might be a little more awkward for, you know, somebody to open up. But. It's fu-
0: It's funny because you're one of my only guests that I didn't learn a plethora of new things about because I've known, you know, we've talked so right. deeply over the years, mm-hmm. which is, which is kind of cool. And it's been cool to get to know people better, but well, it's sure. also I cool it's- to know that
1: we know each other so well. Right, and I, I think it is cool. I mean, everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a life, um, and it's all meaningful. So and, and th- interesting.
0: Yeah, and I think hearing and listening to people's stories to have connected us all too during a time where we weren't so connected. Exactly.
1: Yeah. More people should share their stories. I agree. I think it's a lost. You know, I think lost art. Yeah, well, I think they do that in what country is it? I can't remember. But you can go to the library and have a conversation with a stranger.
0: Yes, where? Yes, I just read something about that, too. Yeah. I think, so I think we're going to see more of that popping up. So, I hope so. I hope so, too. Well, Karen, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. It was It was fun. I enjoyed it. And thank you listeners
0: for listening in with us on the Love Anarchy podcast and the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm Andrea Atherton, your host, signing off today. I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening in with us because I know you have a myriad of podcasts that you can choose from. Don't forget to subscribe, to like, to leave a comment, whatever your platform requires. And don't forget to tell your friends so they can listen too. Spread the love. If you're wanting to know more or connect with the Love Anarchy community, you can find us at the Love Anarchy Podcast on Facebook. I'll leave you with my favorite short but sweet quote. Love is the only true power.